Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings and welcome to the Believe Knicks podcast. Joined as always by Stacey Patton and Matthew Miranda. The day after the series falls to an even game of peace. Next losing game number two, 107-90. to As Fred Katz wrote, the rare instance of a 17-point loss that was nowhere near as flattering as a 17-point loss normally is. We will get into... Things we've seen in the first two games, things that we're looking forward to seeing maybe in the next two games, and just a general schadenfreudic joy in Trey Young continuing to shit the postseason bed. But first, betonline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including, but not limited to, the latest player reports, for this year's pro basketball playoffs, Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, basketball, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, right to UFC and boxing. Don't miss those hockey playoffs. That's right, Rangers scoring five goals last night. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games. You can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code. Promo code. That would be a very different kind of advertisement. Be sure to use our promo code, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So Stacey Patton, where the series started was a pretty good place for the Knicks. They led almost the entirety of game one. Fell behind just dramatically enough at the end to come back and win. Game two, decidedly different. Do you take more confidence from things that you saw in game one, more anxieties that you saw in game two, or none of the above? Um, it's more confidence from game one. Yeah. Um, the, the reason the Knicks lost, I mean, they turned the ball over too much. Um, there that are reasons for that. That was insane. To... What they they turn the ball up, but there are reasons for that that I'm gonna get into. There, I mean, there were things like Quentin Grimes throwing, um, throwing the ball off the back of Josh Hart's head. There are also things like Darius Garland being allowed to sh- allowed to shove dudes at will. Be like, oh well, you know, like he must be a great defender. I mean, Darius Garland is a great. Def- you either have to convince me that Darius Garland is a great defender, or the refs are fucking assholes. Um, it's the same thing with Mobley. Mobley got dominated in game one. He was able to basically slap the shit out of Julius Randle whenever he got the ball. And, um, and that's great defense. And I mean, you gotta love these fucking Cavs bloggers. Like what, what incredible, that's the defensive player of the year. No, if he was, if Randle actually got to play him without a, with a, with a, like with an AI ref or somebody who would actually call it consistently. Um, Mobley would get, and Randall was three for seven from three. Um, and I think that's something the Knicks should go to, but to answer your question, I think there's a lot of opportunities for the Knicks to attack. Um, I think, so I'll, I'll divide it also. What is encouraging from game one that I think is sustainable? I think from game one, what is sustainable is the Knicks were able to label limit turnovers. 
I thought with certain lineups, they were really good at the Cavs love to trap. The Knicks were really good with certain lineups at beating traps, specifically the lineups that had one of RJ and one of Hart, but not both of them um, or neither of them. But you, when they had neither of them on, when they had both of them on there in game two, you know, the traps would use RJ or Hart as an outlet and, you know, neither it has a ton of gravity. So that's one thing where I was like, that's an easy fix. I think Tibbs is, for for those kind of adjustments, I think he hasn't played RJ and Hart together much. It was weird that he did in game two. I don't expect him to go back to it again because it didn't work. So I, I think that's number one. Number two, um, I think that I think that Julius can actually own this series and just hasn't, but at times it's he's done it for stretches. I don't think Evan Mobley can guard him. Um, certainly not without the ref's help. But even yesterday, again, Randall went three for seven from three. And uh, and how many more finishes and free throws would he had if like Mobley wasn't able to just smack him in the fucking face and get away with it? It's like, oh my god, small market, all NBA defender. Ah! You know, like. It's the fucking worst. But, um, you know, I think Randall can dominate Mobley this series. And I don't think Mobley has that offensive ability either. And the last thing is, we got the Karis LeVert game. And the thing is, like, I was talking with, like, people were saying, well, oh, Karis LeVert had 24 points. Are the Knicks going to adjust in the half court? And I was like, if you watch the game, even if you look at the stat sheet, the the Cavs had, what, 20-something points off turnovers? Without those points off turnovers, or even with half of those, this offensive output doesn't look that great. Like, I don't think that Cavs had an amazing day on offense. They had 27 even... points in the first half off turnovers alone. In the first half, right? Like, yeah. And and they scored 107 points for the game. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you want to say, well, not all of those were transition, I mean, more than half were. So, like, if the Knicks just stopped turning the ball over, like, yeah, like Karis LeVert had a really good game. I'm not going to fault him. Like, I'm not going to say that that's not a, a concern. But, like, I thought their half-court defense was good. They just got killed in transition. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's the big thing. Like, if they can just – and I think a lot of their turnovers, the Cavs sped them up. But it was like – if you, that's the thing. It was like a team that's like a mid-major in March, and they play Kentucky for the first time. And they're just not used to – which is – sad that that happened to the Knicks who are just as athletic as the Cavs, but it happened. Right. And, and I think the Cavs knew they could play more aggressive because they wind all fucking weak to the refs. Right. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what Cleveland and the state of Ohio does. Right. They fucking, um, their, their team is ass. So they cry and whine and they've never won championships. They get LeBron James. They can't do anything with him. So they cry and whine and they get, um, they got, they had, they, you know, he left. They got Anthony Bennett. Oh, they could have had, you know, that was not a great draft. They could have had Giannis in that draft, though. If we're going to hold them to the standard that the media holds the Knicks, instead they picked Anthony Bennett. He was a bust. Then they got another first round, first overall pick. They got Kyrie Irving. That wasn't enough. They had to get yet another first overall pick in Andrew Wiggins to, to be able to make the moves to get Kevin Love that convinced LeBron that they could actually win one. And then they won one fucking title. So like I have, this is what that fan base does, and it's it's the same. It's not. It's it is the whole fucking state, the state of Ohio. Ohio State lost to Michigan. They blamed the snow and the fucking flu. The next year they blamed it on 
Well, if they had didn't have five 80-yard plays, we would have won. Yeah. So besides that, how was the fucking play, Mrs. Lincoln? It, they lost the fucking election, and they went on January 6th and tried to storm the White House. So fuck Ohio, fuck Cleveland, and but it paid off. You can't, you know, you can't blame them. Like they whined in the media. Darius fucking Garland whined in the media, and he's allowed to now show off. But if you bring on Darius Garland, you get, um, you know, you get hit with a technical, or you get hit with a flagrant foul, or you get hit with a foul. Uh, you know, Jared Allen's allowed to fucking Jared Allen. That was a dirty fucking play. Can we just talk about that? Like he took Randall out for no reason. And Randall was not doing a tomahawk dunk. That was a normal ass dunk. Randall's like, we got the steal. We're playing this game out. We're all out here. It doesn't matter. We're down 20 points. And he took him out. And the way and like the thing is, Jared Allen, I actually was the only cab who didn't fucking complete. Fuck Jamie Bickerstaff, man. I hope that guy ends up fucking coaching volunteer like third grade basketball. Fuck that guy. But for complaining. All of his, like, they complain all the fucking time. Garland, every time he did, and he fucking whined. Like, how many times did that happen? Fuck Darius Garland. I hope that guy is in fucking Shanghai next year. But it's with bigger staff, too. And um, and it's just like, you can, as I talk about this, I get so much more mad. But what Allen did to, and then after the game, bigger staff was like, one team's allowed to play hard and the other isn't. That's the thing, like, and that's the, Matt, I don't know how much pickup you played. You probably played with dudes who don't know how to play basketball or haven't played much. And so they might be a little bit smaller. They might not know how – they might not be that strong. So they think, like, when you're physical with them, when you give them the body, they think that, oh, I have to, I have to be physical too. But they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to play basketball. They slap your fucking hand. They slap you in the face. They do what shit like what Jared Allen did. And that's, that's what the Cavs did all fucking game. We need to be more physical. Yeah, but the thing is, Julius Randle doesn't need to be dirty to be physical. Julius Randle is just strong. To be Evan Mobley is not strong. He's a weak piece of shit. So he has to be dirty. Jared Allen is weak. Mitchell Robinson doesn't have to be dirty to body you. He's just Mitchell Robinson. He's a big dude. So Jared Allen has to be dirty. And if they want to admit that, that's fine. But after they spent a week or whatever, three days bitching about it. That was such a shameful thing. And if you look at the history of that franchise, how many fucking times am I in my lifetime they've gotten the first overall pick? Um, you know, it's it's just it's disgusting. It, it is a and so many Cavs fans celebrating and be like, what an amazing performance. It's disgusting. So first I just want to point out the good news, which is that there probably will be an opening for Darius Garland with Shanghai next year because they were one of two teams recently suspended uh, for match fixing had their coaches and GMs banned for like years. Um, so fingers crossed. Um, I feel like now that both teams have won a game, the playoff juices are starting to come out. People are getting angry. Um, I don't even know where to follow what you said. <laughs> There's a lot there. I, um, I, I, I do think, okay. I don't want to see Darius Garland fucking smile again. Maybe for life, but at least for the extent of this series. I don't want to, I don't want to see that fucking smile. He gives you 30, fine. It's such a hard... What would Oakley... What, how would Oakley deal with Darius fucking Garland so, or Mason? 
That's, so, what, that's what I want to see. I was thinking during the game, and he, I mean, to be fair to him, he hit a lot of threes, um, but I was really struck in the first half at how effortless and comfortable he looked at what he was doing, and I don't know if this is that the game is played differently now. I don't know if that opportunity didn't arise, or I don't, I don't know if it just isn't um, in the playbook or whatever, but I was surprised that Marlon was like not at some point given some kind of a playoff welcome from somebody physically not to hurt anybody not a flagrant necessarily but to be to be fair as much as i wondered about it it just games aren't really played that way anymore as much um at least not at this point in the series and i don't well one team was allowed to play i mean garland if you watched his the defensive positions that all the fucking small market bloggers are jizzing themselves over he did the same things that when Brunson or IQ or Grimes do it, they're um, you know they're hit with a foul. But Garland is oh my god, small market job ja Moran. They're all like it's it's such bullshit, and like it's all because the Cavs whined after game one. Like, I, and I'm not saying like I'm not saying like Garland was actually good at the point of attack. I'm saying call it both ways. The Knicks aren't allowed to breathe on him, you know. So, yeah, like, I get But I think Tibbs is probably coaching him. And that's the thing. We killed Julius Randle. That's the, Julius Randle yesterday, there were a couple of possessions. I could see where the game changed for him. In the second quarter, he won an Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley slapped him in the fucking face. And he was in his body. But they, there was a no call. The next time, Randle went to the middle. He got to his spot 10 foot away. He did like the rip through move, and then he realized the foul wasn't going to get called. Maybe he would have gotten called late, but instead of shooting the shot, which he makes a lot, he passed it out. And it was, I don't remember if it was a turnover or if it just killed the possession, but it was like, but it, it totally, like, that's what I hate about people are like, don't complain about the refs. The refs didn't force the Knicks to have 25 turnovers. Well, let's be real. Like, if you're just, if they're allowed to just hack you at fucking will, if you can't drive because, Oh, their cent- their power forward is thirteen fucking pounds, and like soft as shit, and twenty years old. But hey, he can do what he can punch Randall in the face, and it won't matter. Then yeah, like you're gonna change your the way you play. Like I just the thing is this: if you want to say refs are human, and you know it affects over the long term, it affects everyone. Fine, you should understand that when you talk about the long term. When you're talking about playoff games and really important, like, and we know that not every play is equal. Like, if you look at win probability charts, plays towards the end of the game have a much more significant impact. But, like, if you take, when you when you exercise those conditions, yes, the central limit there applies, but, like, it takes a much larger sample size. And the other thing is that, um, you know, like it, like don't. But but even if you want to argue that, fine. Don't don't tell me it doesn't affect the game. Don't tell me it's not worth this. Like if I'm going to discuss Julius Randall making turnovers, why would I not discuss, you know, like just Jared Allen being allowed to punch people in the fucking face and make them bleed and not have any repercussions, but you can't breathe on Darius Garland. Why would I not just like it's part of the game. So, yeah, it's part of the game. The Knicks should play through that. But it's part of the game. It should also be allowed to be discussed. And it's the one thing that it's like there's so many bloggers and people on Twitter that are like, 
oh well you know like it's like it's i'm not one of those call out the refs guys it's like why would why would you not talk about that right that that isn't that like the fucking republican attitude first of all like oh you can blame your circumstances or you can take responsibility motherfucker i'm not playing this fucking game first of all i'm commenting on what i see what i see is that yeah the circumstances are affecting how certain people can play the fucking game like I, like you'd be better off just saying look the refs are doing a difficult job they're doing the best they can and it's going to affect both teams and i would i would if you said that i'd be i'd be fine with it but it's when people are like people are like oh you didn't have to make 15 turnovers it's like what does like yeah but like it, it, yesterday was a blowout but like even in close games people will say that it's like oh well you the they had this many opportunities to make a play yeah but it was a one point game the other team also had this many opportunities to make a play and yet it was a one point game they made fucking mistakes too so why should we be penalized by it so it's still we're back to the same conversation where those the right calls are not if there were if they were fine but let's stick to that discussion let's not bring like irrelevant bullshit in because you need like a moral you need like a moral you you need to fucking believe Santa Claus still exists and that like every game that gets decided the better team won. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Let's accept that. If we can actually accept that and accept that the refs might be sometimes the cause of that, we'd be fine because then I think like you'd have like ease more easily resolved complaints. You don't though because you have a group of people that are like the refs cannot be fa- refs never fail they can only be failed. Sorry, man. Uh, I know I spent 17, I, 17.38. Shout out, Fetty Wap. There are adjustments the Knicks need to make that I don't want to n- miss, but yeah, I, I had to get a lot of that off my chest. That's what we're here for. Um, there's, so there's, there's a bizarre underlying energy that has been hinted at in the first two games in this series that make me very glad that the Knicks don't have home court because I think when two teams are matched like this, I think as the series goes on, well, start intensifying. No, no, but I'm, but what I'm, what I'm going to get to is there's an intensification of a certain energy that between these two teams, it's going to peak starting now, more around game three, four than it would have in one, two. And I'm glad the Knicks are home for it because if they were in Cleveland, I wonder how the officiating would treat it differently. In game one, I can't remember what sparked it, but in game one, there was an incident where. Someone had some, like a late foul or something on Randall, and it's what led Mitchell to, it's what led Donovan Mitchell, like to say something to Randall, and then Randall said something back. I don't remember what triggered it, but but it was it was a physical contact that it looked for a moment the way Randall like pulled his arm, maybe free from Mobley or somebody, and Mitchell immediately was like on it, and nothing came of it, but you could see right away like Cleveland was either anticipating or trying to provoke something with Randall. In the game yesterday, um... It's also like, um, sorry, like there was um, Braden who we had on. And this maybe, maybe this is a Rorschach test for expansion, right? But Braden Todd, great guy, you should follow him, who we had on. He posted a sequence, and he was like, this is Jared Allen. This is the quintessential Jared Allen sequence. So he, like, he's boxing out Randall. Who do you think wins a box out more often between Randall and Allen? 
I'll tell you one weighs more than the other, and it ain't the seven-footer. And that's without considering the center of gravity. So, yeah, Randall won the box out, and they both went to the floor. And so Braden says the first thing, Randall pulls him to the floor, which is not supported by video or, as I just mentioned, logic. Um, Allen comes down, and this was a play where, you maybe you remember if you watch this game, he sets the screen on Brunson. Brunson falls down. He's really hurt. Allen helps him up or, like, tries to check on him. They get the rebound, and they get a three. I mean, the point is, like, that was an illegal screen and a missed loose ball call. And then late in the game, he, he tackled Randall. Like, it's very tough to believe that, Cle- like, Bickerstaff wasn't just, like, fuck him up. We we got this. We'll take care of it. They're not allowed to do anything to you. You know, you are white cops, and they are, you know, black teenagers with hoodies. That's That's honestly what it felt like. The way the officials, I mean, without the, the seriousness of that, but like, yeah, like that's that's that was the asymmetry for like three quarters of the game. So when we get what you alluded to and earlier, I think, but, I, but but I was pointing also is like for us, like when Randall puts his shoulder into a dude, for us it's like he's just stronger than everybody else. For other fan bases, it's like, well, no, he's being like that guy. Former first first take post, Joe Crawford was like, "Well, he's he's being he's so aggressive. It's like as long as he doesn't extend that arm, that is completely legal. You have no right to say he's too aggressive. The only thing you can say is, mobily eat a fucking steak, and and get in the weight room. Like you cannot. That is nothing wrong. But they did that, and then Randall was allowed to just. I mean, sorry, I I know you're a Jewish Randall defender last year, especially Miranda." Don't you think Julius Randle probably was fouled like six or seven more times than was called this game? Yeah, there were definitely times he got hit. And I think on the play at the end, I think Thibodeau and Cleveland are very lucky that Randall came out of that, that foul as well as he did. Yeah, I, I um, can't even blame Thibodeau for that. Sorry. Because they I'm had not, I'm Jared not, Allen and Donovan Mitchell were in. That's the thing. Like, I'm not going to say, like, Thibodeau should have taken him out. Like, it's like, well, first of all, like, that team has six playable players. So, yeah, I want them playing as many minutes as possible. Like, and also Jared Allen made a dirty play. Like, if Draymond did that up 20, people wouldn't be talking about the other. Like, if if it was that King series where people say, oh, Mike Brown left Sabonis in, it's not Draymond's fault. Like, it it would be Draymond's fault. Draymond would get fucking sent to China. Instead, Jared Allen's going to get a pat on the back and be like, see, he fought back against the New York, the big media bias. Like, it's just... Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think Tibbs was wrong to have Randall in. I was just saying that the criticism that Tibbs would have been subjected to if Randall had gotten hurt there, and potentially the criticism that I think Allen's... I think Allen's extreme, reckless, poor judgment... um, has been absolved because Randall appears to be fine. But it's a 23-point game with less than two and a half minutes left. And as you said, for anyone, and I wrote about this in a recap today, you want to get on Thibodeau about starters and minutes. Every single, the four Cavs starters plus Levert all played between 36 and 40 minutes, I think. 35 and 40. The only Nick who did was Brunson. So Bickerstaff had his starters in there 
longer than Thibodeau did yeah. the whole game. His so I can't get it if, if Thibodeau was the case the first game staff. It was even that? more. It was even more extreme the first game, right? So plus in Bickerstaff's case, you're up twenty three. Like you have no business. He's lucky that you know his guy didn't. If if Randall had gotten hurt really badly, maybe Allen faces a suspension, and now all this is because you left your guy. So. Well, but I mean, what I'm getting at is because not like these teams are going to play again. So I'm I sure think, like nothing, nothing, no retribution will come to Allen. I'm sure. That's. Uh, I've, I've, I think heading into New York, and it's, I think, this is always funny to me. It's been really clear. I think more so in Game One, but in both games in general in this series, the officials have leaned toward a light whistle. Um, and outside of everything else you're saying, like there have been a lot of blown calls, there have been a lot of points of fair contention, but generally it's hard to get a series that's like perfectly officiated. Either they're they're blowing too many whistles or they're not blowing enough. I think it's going to tighten up now. I think it's going to start to, because I think the intensity is ratcheting up. It's been enough games now that things are going to start to, to boil up and boil over. And I'm glad that that tone is going to probably be set starting now in games three and four in New York because this energy that I was alluding to earlier, which I, I don't, you've used a lot of profanity in this episode. I don't know if you use the word bullshit so far, but that applies. <laughs> There's this absolute bullshit energy that does come up. And this is why, well, that's a separate issue. I won't talk about CBAs now, but. There's a there's despite the fact that literally the Cavaliers have one of the top five big pairings, I would say, in the playoffs. I would say in terms of a, a five and a four who are actual like have elements of bigs, I would say like Minnesota, maybe Golden State, Memphis if Adams is healthy, Cleveland and the Knicks are the teams that have actual fours and fives that can kind of play like fours and fives. Cleveland's not used to that. I think Cleveland's used to just walking into the arena and assuming that they have a certain advantage over 90% of the teams that they play, because they do. But the fact that it's Randall and Mitch, who are very big and strong, and absolutely 100%, the New York thing, they're going to milk it as much as they possibly can. It's not. There's nothing rational about it. There's nothing justified about it. But they're going to it because on a rational level, like the aggression has been pretty normal for a playoff series and they're acting like, and I guess they, they haven't been here before. So, you know, it's like when you see a Taurus and you're like, they're not from here. Like the Knicks are not playoff heavies, but they've, we've been, we, we have seen some of these players at least exposed to playoff conditions, which are not the same as regular season conditions. James Harden's entire career is in some part, a testament to it doesn't get called the same way here as it does there. And I think Cleveland's starting to encounter that, and I think that's going to tighten up more now that the games are in New York, and I think that will have to be to the Knicks' favor um, because I do think there were instances of, okay, that's a home whistle. Like, okay, that's a home whistle. Um, I'm glad that they're back in New York. One thing that I don't know what to make of it at all and it's giving me major 90s flashbacks, is the fact that no one on this team right now can shoot, particularly the guards. Nobody can shoot from anywhere. Um, Brunson even was one for eight. 
makes perfect. Yeah, I mean, I was win like that. very encouraged by Quickly's fourth quarter, and I do think it's meaningful um, in that kind of a setting. It's 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 fundamental in baseball, and I think it applies in basketball too. Like, even if you've had a rough game or a couple of games, you want to finish last at bat, like do something good, end on a positive, Quickly did. Uh, the first seven quarters of the series, he shot one of eight and had, I think, three points. And then, or five, and then in the fourth quarter, he was, uh, Christ, three of five, three of four from the foul line, 10 points, a couple steals. Um, I just think it's good for him to have some confidence. He really has literally never had any. If you look back to his series against Atlanta, it's not a big sample, but quickly has not had really a good playoff moment uh, to this point. It was nice to see him f- to finish well. I think, I keep thinking every game, I say it like it's been like a 10-game series already. But I feel like if if just Grimes or Barrett or Quickly, if one of them can have a good game from the field, I feel like it opens so many things up. To this point, really, like, nobody is shooting consistently well on this team, like, at all, anyone from anywhere. Hard had a great game one, um, but for the most part, they need someone to just, you know, well, they, they need, here's the thing, right? Quickly, so I've been debating with this on with, on the strict cord with um, with Schwinn all day. On the one hand, Quickly needs to man up. If you have Darius, I, I don't care what small market bloggers want to say, Darius Garland's fucking food on defense, right? If you're Emmanuel Quickly, you're going to be sixth man of the year, or you think you should be, I think you should be. You're this quality of player. You're the player we think you can be. So that we like this is another thing. Like, I have been debating this in my head. Like, does the next big move the Knicks have to be a defender that they can surround, like a defender who can just shoot threes, who they can add to Brunson and Randall as like their complement, or do we still need more shock creation? Do we need that star? And I've started to feel like Brunson can be that guy. And then after last night, I had to fucking reconsider. And like Josh Mel came on the other on the, the Strickland pod and he said. Well, Zach Levine's a guy that Nick should keep an eye out for. And I hate that idea. And I'm also like, well, he has a point. Because, look, yesterday, besides Brunson, there was no shot creation at all. And quickly was a big problem in that. And it's Darius Garland. It's not – what do you think is going to happen next series? It's Drew Holiday. You have to be better. That said, Thibodeau probably could have given him a little bit of a longer leash. But I get him not doing that. And it's incredibly frustrating because you know he has the talent to do this. It's Darius Garland. Like, you should cook him. But he's not doing that. Um, nobody on the Knicks is like, – RJ Barrett's the same thing. I'm not picking on quickly. I would say both – like, two, out of quickly Grimes and RJ, they have all been massive, massive stink. They have played worse than Chetty Osman in this fucking series. That is shameful and unacceptable. We expect better out of all three. Um and uh, and RJ has been the best, I think. Like RJ has gotten to the line. He's you know created opportunities for others. He hasn't been as sped up. He hasn't turned the ball over 15 times. I think the real the thing is this though. Like when I look at how the Knicks did, I said this before. Like their half court defense isn't bad. It wasn't even bad last night. Like Levert had 24, but, but like a lot of like the Cavs really mostly score when the Knicks turn the ball over and they can get out and run. And the Knicks cannot, you know, find their matchups and and hound Donovan and Garland, right? 
I don't think that Nick's execution was that bad. But to answer your question, one of IQ Grimes or Arjun needs to step up. But the reality is, like, I'm not worried about Brunson. Brunson was one for eight from three, four for seven from two. Brunson missed a lot of good looks yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, I there were very few shots that Brunson took that I was like, oh, the Cavs were the reason he missed. It was just their shots he makes. He, this is I don't think he's ever gone one for eight from three in his next career. I mean, it's not like they were, like, late shot clock bombs. They were just, like, he had he took a couple of step backs, but, like, he's been hitting those. If, if uh, He went one for eight, and, Ka- and, and Karis LeVert went four for nine from three, right? I would expect those are numbers to be reversed, right? And, um, and by the way, that's a uh, – if these numbers are reversed, that's a 18-point swing. Um, I'm not worried about Brunson. I'm not really worried about Randall, but they need to utilize him a little bit better. I think with Randall, one of the the key things is that they're leaving him open from three. He took seven threes and he made three, and a lot of them were wide open. They're not giving him the respect he probably deserves. They're treating him like he's Isaac Okoro. Randall is not Isaac Okoro from three. And I think the Knicks should just, if you're going to do that, he averaged eight threes this season. On the one hand, if someone said this, he was like, you know, like, they need to stop pump faking. I was like, well, that's not a Randall. And I was like, he took seven threes, but it's also like, but seven threes is below his like league, like year average. If they're, and most teams don't play Randall like that. Most teams close out much harder. So like, maybe he should be taking 12 because he'll hit, he'll take 12 and either they're going to be all wide open or at some point Mobley is going to start closing out. Um, and I think that could be a game changer. Using him in pick and pops could be a game changer. But beyond, like somebody out, somebody else has to step up. Josh Hart did in game one, but I think he doesn't have the three point shot or the shot creation to step up. It's I think one of IQ, RJ, or Grimes has to step up. And when I say step up, I mean a twenty plus point game on like pretty efficient shooting, and they're all capable of good defense. So right now, that's what they're missing. And it, on Twitter, you see there's. There's the RJ Hive defending RJ. There's the IQ Hive saying he didn't get enough chances. Um, you know, Grimes actually didn't get enough chances, but that's on him too. He doesn't shoot. The reality is all three of those, they got to figure it out. But, like, those three guys were no-shows on offense for the first two games, and uh, that's not going to cut it. Last point of the episode, and then we'll have to cut, is um, something I feel – good about ironically given how last night was a very disappointing game to watch like if you were just i was so excited for it all day it felt like the clock was dragging i could not wait for this game to get going and it was so disappointing there was no run the Knicks fell behind double digits first half and that was it the rest of the second half there was nothing as disappointing as the game was i don't feel bothered in the big picture sense, like at all. I don't feel like they missed an opportunity. I feel like they got the split on the road. They're coming home. Cleveland has to win it in, in Madison Square Garden at some point. They can. Atlanta did twice, you know, a couple of years ago. So I know that this Cleveland team is, I think, better than that Hawk team was. I know they can do it. But it was nice to... Hello. Come home. You know you're going to get a better whistle now. 
you know your your bench players especially will probably come through better now. Let's go back to Cleveland up three to one, and let's see how the Cavs look then. I don't. I my prediction is I don't think they're going to go back to three and one. I think it'll be two two. Okay. Um, but um, I mean, I think the disaster. They can't lose two at home, and I think if they lost game three, I'd be I would be worried a little bit about losing two in a row. Um, I'm very interested to see how they respond. I think that there are adjustments Tibbs can make. For example, he played. He has rarely played RJ and Hart together. I don't know why he did that this game, but it definitely hurt the Knicks spacing. And I think he also played them with quickly. So you have RJ and Hart here. You know, Hart is a really good shooter. He just never shoots. So they treat him like that. And RJ is just not a great shooter right now. And they also paired him with quickly, who is struggling right now. I would have paired him with Brunson. At least you have someone who can make chicken salad. Chicken paired chicken Hart with Brunson. Right now. What? You would have paired Hart with Brunson, you mean? I would have. If I was going to play an R, a Hart and RJ lineup together, I would have paired them with Brunson instead of quickly. So quickly had to. So I was ripping on quickly before, but I will say quickly had to play with an RJ. So like the Knicks have like neither RJ nor Hart draws gravity. So when your two and three players don't have gravity, and your, and your four center players, usually too. What? And your center usually also. It, neither of those two do. Neither of the fours. I mean, Randall should, but the the Cavs are not giving him that, and it was mostly with Obi anyway. Mm-hmm. So that puts a lot of pressure on quickly. But like the point is, like it was weird that Tibbs did that last game because he hasn't played RJ and Hart together for that specific reason. That like you can have one of them out there and they're good but play them with one of Grimes or IQ, right? So, like, you have one of Grimes or IQ and one of RJ Hart. Like, I haven't looked at the minute stats, but I think that's, like, majority what Tibbs did. Whatever reason he didn't do it game th- game two, I don't think we'll see that again game three, but there's, like, a lot of low-hanging fruit the Knicks have. Um, I also think they struggled with, um, like, they ran a lot of pick-and-rolls where they would have one guy in each corner. There's nothing egregious inherently about that, but like if you have Randall in the corner, Mobley can help. And like if you're running a pick and roll on one side and Randall is on the same corner, Mobley can help from that corner and still recover, right? And Randall's a good shooter, but he's not, um, you know, like Clay Thompson. So that's very doable. But if Mobley had to help from the other side, like if he had to tag the roller, that becomes a different issue. And so I think I think that the fact that the Cavs are, are willing to let Randall shoot is something that Nick should explore because um, the guy can shoot. If you give him open three, he's going to hit him. And I think at some point they're going to have to adjust. And once they do and Mobley has to start closing out, I think that's the next level for the Knicks. So. We will see how that turns out. Game three is Thursday night, a late start, 8.30 start. So... Whatever your pregame ritual is, extend it out a bit, and then prepare for Game 3 Thursday. Game 4 is this weekend, I think Sunday. Um, We will surely be back in and around one of those game times, so keep an ear and an eye out for that. Matt, can I ask you a question, actually? Sure. You have watched more playoff games than me. There was almost a 420 playoff game. Instead, we're going to have 421. Have you ever... Have you ever seen the Knicks play on 420 in a in the playoffs? Because I don't know if Madison Square Garden could handle that. So 
I have a memory of a night in college when I did uh, three hits of acid the night the Knicks played the Heat um, in a playoff game, and, I, and it was a 420 game, I think. Um, again, in my mind, it was 420, but my mind was where it was that night. Uh, I will, I'll actually look through and see if I've seen that. Um, I'm, That's I imagine that I have. Was that? That's a good trivia question. Because I was like, yeah. Because I, I, I'm like, also, I don't know, like, if the Knicks fans are going to be super paranoid in 420, or like, what I want the Knicks fans to do is like, whenever Isaac Okoro is in the game, I want let him shoot chance. Um, I want them booing Darius Garland every time he gets the ball. I want them doing asshole chance at Jared Allen. So we would tend, you would think that we would limit those, um, you know those impulses but um but it could also make you much more paranoid right or much more um much more susceptible to bad feelings from the next loss so we're not officially suggesting suggesting that anyone put any <laughs> chemicals in the drinking water at the visitors locker room in Madison Park Garden we're just saying if it happened it could be an interesting sociological experiment that might gain an enterprising young student independent credit independent study credit at your local university but again this is not official all speculation believe nicks presented to you by bet online also presented to you by stacy and i we will be back soon talk to you in a few days hopefully with the next once again in charge of the series um until then everybody thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.